their paths crossed like two hot wires. We are just about the friendliest folks you would ever want to meet. That's Bonnie. I'm sorry, I was looking for Maud. Everyone has the right to make an ass out of themselves. You can't let the world judge you too much. That woman, she took my car. This is Bonnie and Maud, the film podcast, with Xenia Yarosh and Eleanor Kagan. Hey, this is Bonnie and Maud. I'm Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Ksenia Yarosh. How are you doing, Ksenia? I'm great. You just ate a lot of ramen. I did. <laughs> and I'm recovering a little bit. We were out late last night doing movie trivia. Don't tell anyone. Well, we totally killed it on the romantic comedy round. Yes, we got every single one right. And I know this was a crowning moment. There was a question to which the answer was simply irresistible. That's for David. It's for David um, Archer, who previously talked about Simply Irresistible at our live show about food. Listen to the In the Cut episode and you can enjoy what he's all about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, movie trivia. What else do we have going on? Um, we are now on Stitcher. Yes. So maybe you are listening to us on Stitcher. What's awesome about Stitcher is, I mean, I mean, iTunes is awesome and we'll always be on iTunes, but on Stitcher, you can just have stuff on your phone instead of like downloading and using up all your space on your computer. And you can kind of listen to episodes on the go and it's handy. And they're not even underwriting us yet. Yeah. And we've already got the pitch down. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> so we have a guest in the studio apartment today. Meg Sweeney Lawless. She is a writer and dramaturge. Hi. And I just learned the difference between dramaturge and playwright. I thing is, in the United States, it means something completely different than Europe when it's very, it's very professional. Whereas here, there are people who are dramaturges and they're attached to fancy theaters and they have very fancy theater degrees. And then there are other people who are just sort of gum-popping midwives who are like, what, what do you got, a book? You want what do you want? This is a play? Like so. Which one are you? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see how this goes here. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Meg is also my coworker as of recently. Although I'm not going to reveal the name of the company for which we work. Do you like talk about cool things all day? Mostly puppets and mugs. Mm hmm Sometimes Bigfoot. Sometimes well, okay, mostly Bigfoot, but sure. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all working girls. We are. Because, Anya, we've been wanting to do an episode on working girls for a really long time. Or working women in movies. Yes. For a really long let's time. Let's bring it up a notch. <laughs> women. We're women. We've been Yes. We've been wanting to cover working women for a while. We made a huge list of working women movies we could cover one day and there are just too many of them to choose from so it never really also to tell you the truth i don't think there are that many good ones mm. because working girl has some problems and nine to five which i was really excited to talk about until i started watching it uh it just goes off the rails and has a really cool cast but whoa i love that movie still um, you have Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, you have Broadcast News, and Norma Ray and Baby Boom, and Legally Blonde, and Aaron Brockovich. 
Um, what else? I feel like we'll still dive into some of those. I gotta say, I, I want to talk about broadcast news sometime in the future. Me too. So this is possibly the first of many Working Women episodes, but today, the two movies that we are doing a little compare-contrast with are Network, which is the 1976 film directed by Sidney Lumet, and His Girl Friday, which is a 1940 film directed by Howard Hawks. What's interesting about this is we recently covered Rosemary's Baby, which stars Maude, and now we're covering Network, which stars Bonnie. That's true. I don't know that we'll ever actually talk about Harold and Maude and Bonnie and Clyde. I feel like we should keep it if we ever do a last episode. Aww. But in the meantime, we can talk about the other movies these wonderful actresses have done. And that's Faye Dunaway. And Ruth Gordon. Mm-hmm. So, Meg, you are a bit of an aficionado, am I right, for screwball comedies? I heart the screwball comedies. So I have to say that when we were talking about comparing His Girl Friday to Network, I was thinking, well, His Girl Friday is the funny one, and Network is the really dark one. But if you saw a synopsis of this, of either one of them would be uh, like, well, there's a murder slash suicide happening in the middle of both of them, neither one of them sounds like a comedy, really. I, I think His Girl Friday is more funny, haha, and Network is more funny, think, think. <laughs> <laughs> right, it has, uh, His Girl Friday has actual jokes, mm -hmm. and Network sort of has bizarre situations that everybody will recognize from work and being put in untenable positions. Well, and His Girl Friday sort of hides the fact that it's about a man who's about to be put to death, it, it sort of like folds it into the background, whereas Network puts it at the forefront that it's about this man who is losing his mind and is eventually killed. And threatening suicide on the air for ratings. I mean, everyone in both of these movies is pretty cavalier about death and murder and terrorism and mental illness. It's all just sort of like the elements that they deal in. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all sort of a means to success for them and a means to money and ratings. Mm -hmm. So everybody's sort of a horrible person going into both of these <laughs> movies. Right. On the face of them, pretty terrible. And they're, and they all admit to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in Network, Howard, who's our hero, who's in the suicidal depression after his wife dies and he's just been given his two weeks notice, tells his pal about going, getting into a cab and saying, take me to the middle of the bridge. And the cab driver is ready to talk him out of suicide, but he wasn't going to commit suicide. Hilarious. He and was just, just like, doing what? a story. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. They're, both of these movies are about, about reporters who cover absolutely the worst angles on human nature and have to get people to talk about that and become horrible people in the commission of these kind of acts of extraction. Yeah, His Girl Friday is about the newspaper business while Network is about the television business. And they both treat their respective forms of media so well because both films were made when those media empires were kind of at their peak. peak. Back when there was television and newspapers. And they were actually important. Right. You could, you could ribbon a nation. You could command a huge audience. And people did wait for the last word and the last minute detail and... And it was sort of a, a, a monocultural experience, too. Um, everybody tuned in to watch the Howard Beale show. Everybody 
read the front page story on the newspaper. There wasn't any sort of uh, dividing of culture. And it didn't seem, at least in the time of network, that TV news was quite as politically divided. It was just the four main broadcasters, and that's what they had. And it was all being sort of geared by the same end, which we learn is money and ratings. If he kills himself, you could get a 50 share. I mean, that's... <laughs> wow, hooray! <laughs> so in His Girl Friday, we have Hildy, um, who is a successful journalist who is about to leave the business to go get married and become a woman as she says. Mm -hmm. And in Network, we have Diana Christensen, played by Faye Dunaway, champing at the bit to become a successful TV programmer. Mm -hmm. And so she is young and hungry and uh, coming into the fictitious TV station UBS to try to take over. In both cases, I think what makes these portrayals of working women a little bit different from some other working women films is in both cases we see them mid-career. So we don't see that struggle towards getting a career started. Like they're already accepted as being, if not at the top of their game, then fairly su- successful and capable women. I know you want to, Hilly, but you can't quit the newspaper business. Oh, well, why not? I know you, Hilly. I know what quitting would mean to you. Well, what would it mean? It would kill you. <laughs> you can't sell me that, Walter Burns. Who says I can't? You're a newspaper man. That's why I'm quitting. I want to go someplace where I can be a woman. You mean be a traitor? A traitor? A traitor to what? A traitor to journalism. You're a journalist, Hildy. A journalist? Now, what does that mean? In His Girl Friday, um, she decided to do, you know, one last story. So she comes into uh, this room with with other reporters who are all male, and they're like... Hello, Hildy. Hi, Hildy. Welcome back. Very welcoming. I mean, I'm sure... Yeah, she's one of the guys. Yeah, I'm sure there was, like, a past where they had made fun of her and she went through that test. But at this point, they accept her as one of them. In Network, there are several meeting scenes where you see that everyone takes her seriously. Even if they're not actually going to follow through on her ideas, they respect her and she's already in it. It seems almost in Network that it's sort of more of a machine mm-hmm. and and they're more afraid of her than respectful of her but you don't get the feeling that anybody else is well respected some of the older statesmen elder statesmen of the uh the news bureau kind of talk about themselves and times in august tones but maybe you're only as respected as your most recent success right and and that's the sort of gnawing hunger that Hildy has in uh, His Girl Friday is mm-hmm. the, like, hey, she's going to go and move to like upstate New York and start having a family and mm-hmm. she's out of the newspaper game. But then there's like the idea that anytime she's with her ex-husband and they start reminiscing, she has as good a time reminiscing about, you know, what scams they pulled to get what stories and had to hole up in places and dodge the cops. And- I mean, they're both incredibly motivated by their work, like not just motivated, but like turned on and it's made more apparent in network where she actually there is a sex scene where she basically comes by talking about all these (laughs) ideas that she has and like all these projects that she wants to get done that scene is amazing yeah because she is talking about ratings and she's talking about um possibly getting sued by lawyers for pursuing a story uh or a tv show deal with terrorists (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like getting goosebumps talking about it. Like it's it's kind of incredible. I said, Walter, let the government sue us. Let the federal government sue us. We'll take them to the Supreme Court. We'll be front page. The Monch. The New York Times. The Washington Post. We'll be front page for months. We'll have more press than Watergate. All I need is six weeks federal litigation. And the mouth say to can start carrying his own time slot. But then her stories are like sex, you know? It's mm-hmm. just like it's intense, it's fast, it's over, let's move on. Yeah. What's really bugging me now is my daytime programming. NBC's got a lock on daytime. Lousy game shows. And I like to bust them. I'm thinking of doing a homosexual soap opera. The Dykes. Yeah, she has sex like a man for all intents and purposes, which she admits herself earlier in the film, mm-hmm. saying the only thing she's good at is her work. And that several men have told her that she's a bad lay. Yeah. So one of the questions I had is, what makes a female character a working woman, specifically? And and are these women working women because they're trying to imitate the way that a man works? Or are they sort of forging their own way of having a career? It seems when you're watching Network, you're seeing... Diana sort of find her place within a machine and then just be productive in that spot that she found. Whereas his girl Friday just seems to be this crazy collection of characters who are, you know, disorganized and sort of each independent and that there's not so many gender issues, not because there aren't so many gender issues, but just because Everybody there is at the top of their game, so that's not what they're talking about anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's the only other woman reporter you see is the, uh, I don't know, the woman who does the marriage announcements or something, just really briefly in the newsroom. I don't newsroom. remember her. Yeah. But you don't see any other women in positions of power or authority or whatever because the mayor and the sheriff and the accused, mm-hmm. you know, everybody is a guy, except for Molly, who's the woman who sort of took pity on the guy who going to be executed yeah the hysterical girlfriend of the uh, fugitive who is at one point dragged out of her room crying why won't anyone listen to me Mm -hmm. which is uh, great way to have everybody not listen to you and then ultimately jumps out a window i don't know if it's like out of panic or to try to distract from the fact that the fugitive guy is actually hidden in the room at that point but she pretty much dies or gets terribly injured and that's not really brought up at the end that's not resolved yeah well part of everybody being so cavalier is that this happens and then hildy and everyone else in the room just sort of like immediately moves on with the rest of their day yeah her leg was moving that's true (laughs) oh no she's okay her leg's moving and there's a bunch of cops down there right who has the phone exactly yeah um what i found really intriguing uh putting the two movies side by side is you know, this was actually my first time watching Network, and I always found um, Hildy in His Girl Friday. So, like, I always saw her in a positive light, basically, until I saw Network, and I was like, wait a second. She's really similar to Faye Dunaway's character, except we see Faye Dunaway's character as a bitch, but Hildy is. We're a rooting. Hero. Yeah, we're rooting for her. 
And why is that? Like, they're both ultimately using these men who are crumbling and, like, losing their mind in order to get a story. Mm-hmm. But in His Girl Friday, we're like, oh, that's not a problem. She's, like, helping him out, I guess, maybe. Um, and we want her to be successful in her career, whatever the case. But I think because in His Girl Friday, she's actually sort of maybe trying to get out of this career, we're giving her a pass. Whereas in Network, Faye Dunaway is trying to advance in her career. So we're like, uh, I don't know if I feel okay with this. Like we better tear her down. Yeah. I mean, both movies have really strange gender politics. I think it, a lot of it has to do with the era that they were made. I mean, in the 1940s, they're both, of course, they're both, you know, very old fashioned. In We also know that Hildy can't advance very far. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that she can't be the head of this newspaper, whereas Faye Dunaway, like, presumably she could be the head of the network if she worked hard enough. Yeah, I mean, in 1976, it was, you know, second wave feminism, and she is the first time you're seeing women executives kind of rise through the ranks and be able to hold their own, which should be great, but of course, she is kind of seen as the enemy, the power-hungry, obsessive, ruthless person who will have someone killed in the name of ratings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I love Hildy because... When that rabbit is out of the gate, she and the other hounds are after it mm-hmm. because it's the rabbit. And then we see her pause in between and say, oh, wait a second. No, I'm not supposed to like doing this anymore. I'm going to move to Albany. I'm going to like settle down with my mother-in-law and my, I can't believe I'm settling down with my mother-in-law. Like, oh, but okay, she no, doesn't no, no. mean it. Well, she wants to mean it. She I wants think. to mean it. And then we see her vulnerabilities and we see like not only how street smart and savvy she is, like when her husband is saying like, well, I got the check. And she's like, all right, what are you doing with the check? It's in your pocket. Get it out of your pocket. Put it in the brim of your hat. Because she had to have been fooled as many times as she picked up intelligent ways or or crafty ways to subvert that stuff. Mm -hmm. She is hard won information. She, She has like not only come up through the ranks of newspaper reporters, she's seen some ugly stuff in life. But she's also been tutored by her Mm ex-husband who has scammed her more than once and maybe to the altar. Mm -hmm. You know, we see her as the hard-boiled type and then we see her say like, oh, no, wait, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And also... There's enough softness there. Right. I mean, she's human, whereas the Faye Dunaway character is just like... She's just jettisoned all of that Mm -hmm. stuff because she's going to out-robot the robots. Even though, again and again, in His Girl Friday, she keeps saying, you know, I'm quitting so I can become a human. Yes, I'm going to be a woman. I'm going to be a woman and uh, have babies and have a home. I appreciated that the um, that Baldwin, the uh, new husband-to-be, yeah. keeps saying, are you sure you want to quit? Well, you do keep yeah. saying that you well, want to have getting something else, too, Bruce. You're getting a great newspaper man. You know all kids, Walden. One of the best I ever knew. Sorry to see her go. Darn sorry, Hildy. Hildy, are you sure you want to quit? Now, Bruce, what do you mean? Well, I mean, if there's any doubt about it, or if there's anything that... No. This is your chance to have a home and to be, like you said, a human being. And I'm going to make you take that chance. Certainly. Why, I wouldn't let her stay. <laughs> right. Well, and, and all her cohorts there in the in the newsroom at the... What is it? The county courthouse or wherever they are. Are like, can you see her pinning out diapers? I can't see her. Co- mm. Oh, what you and gonna they're, do? They're making bets on how long this marriage will last. Right. 
Right. What What did you think of that uh, fiancé character? He was just, you know, like the bumbling. He's basically the Daffy sidekick. He <laughs> is, like, just bumbling and being taken for a ride by Hildy and the world that Hildy She's inhabited. She's not taking him for a no. ride. She is the roller coaster car. <laughs> and Cary Grant is, you know... The Raging Bull or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. She's exciting and she's attractive and she's energetic and she's mm-hmm. full of awesome ideas. Who wouldn't so want why, to hang with her? Yeah, so she's the why best. that guy? Why did she pick that guy? Because look at him. He's he's everything you're supposed to want in a husband. Mm-hmm. He's he's nice and he's supportive. He's a good relationship lovable. with his mother. Right. But he's like the safe and boring fallback for her she thinks that if she can just settle down Mm -hmm. with this safe and boring guy she can have this life that a woman is quote-unquote supposed to have in 1940 Mm -hmm. whereas you don't see uh walter uh settling Mm -hmm. you know you get the feeling that he can have it all like he can be the editor he can have his wife be this fantastic journalist he can have an action-packed adventure and be married i don't know if that's a privilege for her or a hindrance that she is often being pulled between these two supposedly inseparable, right, things, whether to be the homemaker and the mother or to be the, like, star journalist. No one really says, hey, you can do both. Right. Can we talk about the scene in Network where Max is having, he's the one who's having an affair, mm-hmm. um, where he confronts um, Dunaway and tells her, What's wrong with her? Oh, in their breakup scene? Yes. I don't want your pain. I don't want your menopause or decay and death. I don't need you, Max. You get need out of me. You need me badly because I'm your last contact with human reality. I love you. And that painful, decaying love is the only thing between you and the shrieking nothingness you live the rest of the day. Then don't leave me. It's too late, Diane. You're one of Howard's humanoids. And if I stay with you, I'll be destroyed. Like everything that you and the institution of television touch is destroyed. You're television incarnate, Diana. Indifferent to suffering. Insensitive to joy. All of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. You're madness, Diana. And everything you touch dies with you. He knew what he was going in for. She made it very clear who she was from the start. And I don't know, for him to blame her on not being feminine or soft enough is really cruel. I found that scene, if not sexist, then at least, like, suddenly she was the witch. Mm-hmm. Right. She, suddenly she personifies television instead of he personifying television. And that seems to be what's stuck in his craw. Because mm-hmm. his, if he didn't realize what he was getting into, his wife told him in no uncertain terms exactly what he was doing, what he was doing to her. And won an Oscar for it. And won an Oscar. Because she's amazing. Yeah, she's good. I'm your wife, damn it! And if you can't work up a winter passion for me, the least I require is respect and allegiance. You're in for some dreadful grief, Max. He knows already that it's not going to go anywhere. I know. And that she's just going to ruin him. He's not ruined. He's going back to his wife. Once again, have cake, eat. That's true. (laughs) Um, And I mean, and 
you know, in in terms of careerism, she sort of comes out okay on the other side too. You know, they kill their they kill Howard Beale on the air and presumably get huge ratings for it, which is the thing that makes her happy, supposedly. Happy might be stretching it. Yeah. <laughs> Glad. Because, um, yeah, it's just sort of, you get the feeling it's sated. a necessity. Yeah. 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 Because she is not really that capable of human emotions so much. I think it's interesting that in His Girl Friday, we never see the audience of these papers. We always see the inside and like just the people who are generating the news, but we never see the audience. Mm-hmm. In Network, you know, we see the yelling scene where people are watching television and are actually motivated enough to like peek out their windows and start yelling, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Was that the phrase? And Diana on the phone saying, they're yelling in this town. They're Uh, yelling in this city. They're yelling in Atlanta. Yeah, right. Um, That part (laughs) is a really fun scene still, even this many years later, even no matter how many times you've seen the movie. Oh, yeah. I get very emotional during that scene. And then we see the audience in the studio when they're doing uh, the variety show news thing. But everyone's kind of dead-eyed and, I don't know, expressionless. Yeah, they sort of have this this zombie Mickey Mouse club of adults going like, what time is it? Like, I'm mad as hell. Like, that's what they're supposed to yell now? Yeah. Instead of this guy giving him strange permission to do something that they might not have known that they have the urge to do? Yeah. This time they show up to perform their sort of function, and it's joyless. Mm-hmm. Would you say that um, either of these movies or either the characters of Hildy and Diana are feminist? Well, like, would either one of them pass the Bechdel test? Mm, not so much. Not really. <laughs> well, Diana talks to Laureen Hobbs, who's the uh, head of the Ecumenical Liberation Army. Hi, I'm Diana Christensen, a racist lackey of the imperialist ruling circles. I'm Laureen Hobbs, a badass commie nigger. Sounds like the basis of a firm friendship. Well, and Hildy talks to the girlfriend of the man who is on trial. I don't know. We've sort of determined in previous conversations that the Bechdel test isn't necessarily a clear-cut sign of a feminist message or a feminist character or a feminist film. Right. It's just a good place to start. Like, do you have people who have their own agenda and are not necessarily just in service of other people's lives, but have their own goals. And I mean, watching His Girl Friday makes me excited about being a woman and about doing things and about working. But makes me excited about hats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> makes me excited about talking quickly. Right. <laughs> Rosalind Russell's outfits in His Girl Friday there are... There only two. There's only two. Mm-hmm. Maybe my favorite costume out of any movie it's like a very structured very like defined silhouette high-necked striped oh the stripey one um (laughs) trench coat with a matching hat um balanced just so on her head and the moment at which her bumbling fiance baldwin sort of knocks it off a little bit she's like oh it's fine that is the moment you know it's not going to work between them he does not respect the ensemble (laughs) and then the other one that she has is a full-length sort of wool skirt or a three-quarter wool skirt that has a slit that comes up far enough so that when she has to hike up her skirts and run across lanes of traffic with police motorcycles and cars and stuff, you can see she's wearing a garter 
And that is right before she flying tackles like the sheriff to talk to him. I love that. She scene. can bean him, like even though she's like running in heels and a skirt, and she has to get across lanes of traffic. But the fact that she like pulls it up, like mm-hmm. makes it totally realistic because you cannot run quickly in that no. tight a skirt. So you got to pull it up. And the garter is crazy because that's like, oh well, I guess she is girly somewhere, right? Because <laughs> it's crazy. As long as we're talking about costumes, I found Diana's costumes equally interesting. First off, she is so willowy and skinny as to almost appear unfeminine, but she wears these, you know, very sort of drapey silk um, outfits that are in very muted colors. And I read a really interesting thing online that we'll post a link to on the blog that noted her clothing actually becomes more and more virginal, more and more white and light as she is moving more towards calling for Howard's assassination, which I thought was really interesting. And the Mm. apex of that... Instead of making it darker. Yeah. The apex of that is that long, white, backless, sparkly gown that she wears to the, like... uh, The award ceremony or the upfronts or whatever she's... Something like that. Which well, is she kind wears of the these... girliest outfit that she wears the whole time. She wears these, like, very clingy things mm-hmm. that are not power outfits at all. No, and she has a, like, a little scarf uh, tied around her neck always. Yeah. And you're like, uh, maybe she's hunched over all the time because she's not wearing stuff that's very structured and would make you feel really sort of self-conscious mm-hmm. in it. Except, I mean, she just hunches over and it barrels through. So it's like almost she has to put her head down and... Yeah, like, she does not go for, like, a Joan from Mad Men style of, like, power career woman outfit or, like, um, you know, how, like, the female equivalent of a man in a business suit. She kind of has her own style, her own murderous style. (laughs) (laughs) One more thing about clothing. Remember when we talked about false advertising to boys versus girls in the Frozen episode? (laughs) Yeah. This is what the poster for His Girl Friday looks like on Wikipedia. She's wearing a dress made of yellow silk, which (laughs) makes her appear very busty that she does not wear in the film. It's like an evening gown. And the tagline tagline for the film. I did something. Yeah, they didn't know how to sell this. Hold on. I get it. Um, and the tagline for the film is, she learned about men from him. <laughs> what, yeah. this, what was the what? great tagline that w- that came up in movie trivia last night for um, Tokyo Olympiad? A man's movie every woman will love. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> it was amazing. And wasn't it also like chills, thrills, and... Uh... Spills? And that was like a, that's a Japanese documentary about the Olympics. False advertising. Yeah. It's everywhere. We'll definitely post a picture of that uh, original His Girl Friday poster. Mm -hmm. That probably got some boys into theaters. (laughs) Maybe. So they had fun. I mean, it's a fun movie. It's a really fun movie. There's so much yelling in both of these movies. There's so much yelling. More so in network. There's so much yelling in His Girl Friday, too. Really? Everybody yells. Maybe I had the volume down. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, it's it's mostly compete people competing to be heard amongst many people, which mm-hmm. is why the yellings happen, or or else it's um Walter and Hildy, which is just like trying to get a word in edgewise. You know, he's the editor, and she gives as good as she gets, 
And at one point she's like sold, you know, because she's just talking over him and not listening to him and, and just mm -hmm. making fun of the fact that he's barreling through. Uh, got a better offer, huh? You bet I've got a better All offer. All right, go on, take it, work for somebody else. That's the gratitude I get. Oh, I wish you What were you when panning. you came here five years ago? A little college girl from a school of journalism. Oh. I took a doll-faced hick. Well, you wouldn't take me if I hadn't been doll-faced. Oh, why should I? I thought it'd be a novelty to have a face around here, man could look at without shuddering. Listen, Walter. Listen, I made a great reporter out of you, Hildy, but you won't be half as good on any other paper and you know it. We're a team, that's what we are. You need me and I need you and the paper needs me. Oh, American. Don't you miss people talking that past in movies? All the time. Yeah, I feel like people speak way too slowly in movies these days. Let's speed it up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Plus plenty of more jokes. Yeah. Oh, also, I mean, speaking of being heard, I really like the scene uh, in His Girl Friday where Hildy is writing. Um, it's towards the end. She like wants to get this article done and she's so excited and she has to keep starting over because her fiance is hanging over her shoulder and trying to tell her like, I'm going to be on this nine o'clock train. Are you coming with me? Hildy, I'm taking the nine o'clock train. Sure, oh, what's that? Sure. Sure. Did you hear what I said? I said, I'm huh? taking the, the nine o'clock train. Oh, Bruce, I put it in here. And she's totally ignoring him. I love it. Because how often in movies do you see a woman ignoring the man speaking? <laughs> Especially because she's trying to work. Yeah, of course. I mean, a trope that you see so often is the working, the hardworking husband and the naggy wife. And this is sort of... Um, the roles reversed. Yeah. And in such an early movie, it's like pre-subverting that. And that's his, that's his hint that she's not coming along on the train with him. When she says, great, now I've now I've incorporated that into what I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it can't be incorporated into what she does. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, even though uh, Faye Dunaway's character is energized by stuff and totting up the points and whatever, you just, you get the feeling that that's what's instead of being happy. Mm -hmm. Instead of that's what makes her happy. And you also get the idea that these journalists are sort of destroying themselves in the process whether it means tiny destruction like you're not getting a good night's sleep and you're not getting a honeymoon and you know you're not having a nice little life mm -hmm. but it would be little versus network where they're just really destroying themselves like ready to kill themselves on the air and you know obliterate all their personal relationships and and enter thriving. into sketchy deals with known terrorists yeah there's that yeah. well i mean but see the thing is that when when Walter does it with pickpockets and, um, you know, platinum blondes. It's adorable. That's true. You know, because it's sort of small and containable, I guess. And you get the feeling that the stakes are very low. That's true. I mean, and later Diana does it and, you know, ends up sort of making capitalists out of the former communists that she's trying to strike a deal with, um, according to Max, ruining everyone in her path. Um Something I was curious to talk about is, at least with working women in these, like, tough male-dominated fields of, of television and newspaper media, um, and in these two movies, there seems to be a, uh, a wavering between being hard and being soft and sort of how they're expected to be soft and they use, and, you know, Hildy and Diana use their softness when it, uh, works for them. I'm thinking of the scene where Diana goes to Max's office and she's lit really beautifully and she talks about how the soothsayer said she would start an affair with a craggy old man and then she teeters into business a little while and then she teeters back into seduction. Um, and Hildy too, she 
you know, talks about having babies and being a real woman. And then as soon as the gunshots are heard outside of the office, she is like on it. I feel as women, we often use our femininity to get us through conflicts where being tough might push people away. Mm -hmm. Well, that's part of the reason why we like Walter so much in His Girl Friday is because he's hard and soft also. Cary Grant makes that role. I, I find him charming in any role, but I feel like if anyone else had played him, he would have been such a tool. He sent uh, Hildy's fiancé to jail several times through <laughs> right, uh, different schemes. Right. And it's so, yeah, like you Mashing said, it's, and it's so money. like adorable. Um, right. Max is sort of soft and hard in the same way, too. Yeah, but you get the feeling that it's it's kind of weakness when he's being soft, mm -hmm. you know, and not it's even not tenderness. It's not like right, and not even that softness. we would consider him weak, but he considers himself weak. Mm -hmm. And it's not him saying like, "Oh, you know what? I have to be human." It's definitely like I'm letting it down. I'm I'm slipping. Mm -hmm. He should be grateful because she like brought him in on this at least for a little while right handle and, and handle gave, you know gave him the heads up that she was going to take over when she could have pals. pushed him aside right away and not even given him a chance i don't know women schemers yeah, you we can't help it i know we got to watch out for them <laughs> or they're going to ruin you but see that's the, the funny thing about network is like she is a schemer but Everybody is. That whole battery of guys who supposedly went out and drank and mm -hmm. smoked and you hung use out. the tools that you have, I mm -hmm. think, yeah. in short. like Yeah, to see her as like a cold, heartless bitch. Well, then what was Duvall's character, you know? Uh, he is a major bitch. Yeah, he's a very big bitch. <laughs> but nobody comes out of that movie going like, oh, he is a frosty bitch. <laughs> Exactly, and that's sort of the catch-22 of uh, the working woman and the working woman movie, is that, I mean, it's like, even like Sigourney Weaver in Working Girl, it's when she is hard-nosed and going after what she wants, the exact same thing that a man could be doing, she's sort of the bad guy. And that was sort of my problem with um, 9 to 5, is these three women had a real conflict with a horrible boss, but their aggression or like their attempt to do something about it is totally played down through these like fast motion, goofy, cartoony scenes that really downplay something serious. Like that movie could have been an interesting statement, but it totally takes a left turn and makes their fight against the man goofy i mean the way that it's that you know career women or you know the choice of a woman to choose a career or a family the way it's talked about in our culture is often without nuance and it's you know there's always a little bit of the extremes that enters into a person's life and how she conducts it i mean i was thinking earlier like what makes a movie a working woman movie because many times in a movie a woman will have a job but it doesn't necessarily center around her job and it has been talked about before how in the movies uh there's only like a certain set number of jobs that women tend to have and they are womanly jobs or 
And if they are not womanly jobs, then it is perhaps a working woman movie, Hmm. right? Like you always see women as nurses or doctors or executives of sorts or creative people like PR or like uh, decorators or wedding planners or Mm -hmm. interior designers, writers. So would you not consider like J-Lo's wedding planner uh, movie a working girl No, it's totally a working woman movie. What about Silkwood? Sure. Made in Manhattan. (laughs) Also J-Lo. A lot of screwball. J-Lo has had a lot of jobs. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be kind of curious to talk about Made in Manhattan actually because not only is it a working woman movie, but it's a working class movie. About a woman with who does not have a high-powered job trying to uh, get respect, mm-hmm. which is, I feel, one of the main themes of working women, working women movies is gaining respect, losing respect, chasing respect from men, from other women, from your coworkers. Um, any last thoughts, ladies? Mm. Oh, yeah. Another thing um, is the way both movies treat mental illness. I think you touched on it earlier. First off, the guy who's accused of murdering the cop in His Girl Friday, the one who's going to be guillotined. Oh. Earl. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. In both cases, the men also basically lose it, at least in part, because they have lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. Which I meant to bring up a while ago, but, like, that basically takes away their their manhood their power their manhood and right. so like yeah they lose their shit well <laughs> and we understand that the women in these movies understand what happens when you get your job taken away is getting your power taken away because diana certainly her job is her power mm-hmm. and even sex isn't really sex oh, isn't powerful, powerful for, her. for her no yeah. and hildy her job definitely is the thing that you know makes as her... much as she tries to deny it right that every time she's talking about going to Albany, it sort of subtracts. <laughs> yeah, her voice changes. She talks slower. She, you can tell she's not really into it. Right. She goes into this weird sing-song of like, I'm going to live like a human being, you know? And it's just like... <laughs> you can tell that human being is in quotations mm-hmm. in her mind. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you're right, uh, Meg. Both Earl and Howard Beale crack, essentially, after their job and their manhood is taken away from them. And... In His Girl Friday, it's a lot more subtle, Um, but in Network, it is, I mean, it is right there in the open down to the end where they decide to shoot him on air because they don't like what he's saying. Do you think the movies do a good job of treating mental illness? Well, it's sort of, I mean, everybody uses people's mental illness against them. In Network, this guy... So he's going to come and kill himself on the air. And they're like, no, he has to be off the air. No one even notices at first. Right. I love that. They're not even paying attention in the booth. That's right. Yeah. Till somebody comes. Who who recognizes it? Like, I don't know, the, the line producer. The one, I like believe that. the woman in the booth was just like, hang on. Did, did somebody hear? Like, hang on. Like, wait a second. And everybody's just like counting down or waiting to go to commercial or whatever. And then they're like, oh, we have to take him off the air. He can't go on the air again. What? It's ratings thing. Okay, he can go on the air again. And nobody's there saying, like, I'm going to dime him. Like, I'm going to, like, call somebody. I'm going to help him. I'm going to, like, nobody intercedes. It's all, all seen as, like, out of their hands. And, you know, they that's just another factor in the sort of media. It's entertainment. Like, right. Um, and 
he's going to be on the air again, which is what he wants. Like, really? That trumps, I don't know, mental, like, health? Okay. And then the guy who's going to be executed, even though laws of New York State ostensibly say you can't, you can't kill somebody who doesn't know the meaning of their actions. Don't they try him on um, the idea that he is insane, to quote the movie? Like, don't they, and he keeps saying, like, I'm as sane as they come. Like, I knew what I was doing, and they're trying to try him like he wasn't? Or am I mixing that up? Um, I'm not sure if at that time he had to even be read his rights, if he had the right to counsel, if he was, if he had chosen to, like, not be represented by counsel, because I don't remember it being mentioned, but if he wasn't represented by counsel and was like, I'm as sane as you or whatever, on the one hand, looking at the mayor and the sheriff, yes, correct, <laughs> although not criminally minded, and on the other hand, like, you're letting somebody who's obviously not capable of defending himself, quote-unquote, defend himself, so that's just sort of feeding somebody into the machine that's going to not protect his rights and not put him any place where he's not going to come to harm and in fact they're going to kill him it's interesting there's a lot of characters that matter a lot in that plot and then they just kind of like thanks a lot molly bounce out the window okay <laughs> you know <laughs> oh you distracted him good job um but you know i don't i don't necessarily think that um i'm not really sure in the case of his girl friday um but at least in the case of network i don't feel like the film itself is condoning the treatment of mentally ill people in that way. Um, as we have established, everyone in network is kind of a terrible person. And I think, you know, mostly it's being used satirically in the way that everything else in that movie is. It's sort of like, this is the corrupt system. Pretty much there's no way to step into it without, mm -hmm. you know, just finding yourself like on this fly paper. Yeah, and everyone sort of becomes a victim of it. I don't know, I kind of admired the guys in the booth who weren't paying attention to anything and were just like, <laughs> like, you know what, I just come in here, I center it, and, like, that's the shot. <laughs> All right, not admire, but just sort of like, you know, that's that's the only way you can kind of deal with this stuff is by... Blocking it out. Yeah, mm -hmm. blocking it out. And then is that, then it's a job. Bleak. Yet, I love this movie. <laughs> Yet, these are two of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Right, because you get the feeling that like working in that newsroom is somewhat fun. The real juicy, fun parts, like, well, that's that's what Hildy gets to do. And that's what she wants to do, and that's what Diana wants to do. Does she? <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think as we said earlier, both women sort of get off on their jobs and off on their power in those jobs. They're both good at them. Screwball has more fun. What's your favorite screwball? Hmm. Philadelphia Story is awesome. Not a working woman's movie. <laughs> I don't think she has a job. Tracy? Adam's Rib? That's the kind of... That's a big working woman's mm -hmm. movie. Because she's got exactly the same job as her husband. Sullivan's Travels. Miracle at Morgan's Creek. Anything Preston Surges. A lot of screwball comedies. Um, the women are either heiresses or... They're oh. actresses of some sort. I feel yeah. like that's a common job. Bringing a baby, she is an heiress also. She's an heiress, yeah. And it, like, gives them room <sighs> to do exciting and weird things. And the, a lot of free time. The Lady Eve. She's a master criminal. 
travels around with, in her pack of master criminals, and she did decide to um, settle down, but she can't because of her master criminal past. All right. So we have a watching list. Thank you, Meg, for coming on the show today. Thanks for making me watch His Girl Friday again. Yeah, I think we've, I feel like we've merely scratched the surface of um, working women in film, and it will probably be a topic that comes up again on the podcast, don't you think, Ksenia? Absolutely. So, if you have a working woman movie that you would like to suggest to us, that you would like to hear covered, um, you can shoot us an email at bonnieandmod at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 530-MOD-79. I memorized the number. <laughs> I was not reading that off paper. Yes, it is 530-MOD-79. Perfect. Awesome. Find us on Facebook, on Stitcher, on Tumblr, and at bonnieandmod.com. While we're still on this topic, and this is really cool, um, we're going to sit down with Dave Itzkoff. He's a culture reporter for the New York Times, and he just wrote a book called Mad as Hell, which documents the making of and the lasting impact of Network. So he's going to tell us all about the backstory of how Patty Chayefsky created the character of Diana and all the juicy details about what happened behind the scenes with Faye Dunaway. Uh, so stay tuned for that, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.